Hey friends, it's good to see you again. I'm Brian. And I'm Joe. Let's, Let's start, start the show. I don't know how long we've had that intro recorded and, and been using it. Mm-hmm. It's still not old to me. I don't mind it. It's like, yeah, it's okay. Not that we can't, like we could definitely potentially change it. Now, oh, it was the thing we were just kind of doing in between the names. We were like struggling right. with, oh, what name are we going to name the thing? Yeah. And so we didn't want a name in it. I don't know if we need right. a name in it. Nah, what if we change the name again? Some, we won't. We like, won't. Because we, ju- <laughs> we just like, well, actually, by the time this podcast comes out, um, it's, it's been maybe a month, but we've, uh, we've just got like official. We're, we're a business. We're an LLC. And so we can't really, changing the name becomes harder now than just a few graphics and things on social media. We'll have to let the Secretary of State's office know right. if we do change anything. Right. I mean, we don't have to let them know, but they like it. They like it when, okay. you, when you let them know. What are we doing today, Joe? We are downtown Great Falls at the aptly named Central Avenue Meets here with Mr. Drew. Oh, what's your last name, Drew? Hicks. Drew Hicks. Uh, welcome, Drew. Is that Drew. With, a, with, is, with a CK or an X? Uh, a CK, although I had a marketing business sure that right. had a logo with an X because it looked cooler. It, yeah, okay. So I'm with you. Dare, yeah. Oh, yeah. dare to dream. <laughs> you had a marketing business. Well, we're going to get into that. We have to then. Well, we're here with Drew because yep. he brought us in a week ago mm-hmm. and we did some amazingness right here in the shop. Do you call it a shop? I want to call it a shop. I do. Yeah, we call it the butcher shop. The butcher, butcher shop. shop. The butcher shop. Brian and I came down to the butcher shop. We took a huge dinosaur looking piece of meat that was, what would you call that piece of meat? That's the, what we started with. The yeah, so that was a rib primal. So if, you, if you're talking about, primal. it was, I guess, technically an eighth of a cow. Okay. Uh, that's exactly what I would say too. an eighth of a cow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't have known. And that eighth of a cow had been resting in your cooler for? Yeah, that was day 14. 14 days of oh, resting. Didn't look a day over 12 to me. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> um, I don't want to get too convoluted like right off the gate, but why 14 days? Uh, that is, I think after 10 days is generally regarded in the industry as... Um, when you see the maximum tenderness, uh, at least until you get into the longer aging. So you want to get it, if you can, past 10 days uh, for just, just the best quality, I guess, uh, texturally. Mm-hmm. But um, we do see that when you go down into maybe after 50 or 80 days, uh, the texture does continue to change, just not as noticeably as uh, between or under 10 days to over 10 days. But we like to go 14. Um, it's a nice uh, round week number. Right, right. And we just think that's best. So if 10 is good, 14 is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. And from there, the flavor continues to uh, mature and change uh, through 21, 30, uh, all the way, the, the longer it okay, goes. Okay, so the flavor will change past yeah. 10 days, but the, the, the texture, the tenderness won't change yeah. as much. That, that's, that's at least, I, I would guess, traditional wisdom on that, okay. is, is that 10 days is the marker, um, but 14 days is better if you can do it. Oh, yeah. And so we, we took this, this primal, wait, rib primal, mm. and um, there was four of them sitting on the table. It was uh, the three of us, and then, um, would you call him your apprentice? Is yes. He an apprentice? Yeah, apprentice he actually just became a full-time employee. 
Oh, um, all right. Congratulations, but, Nick. Uh, nice yeah. work, Nick. Yeah, he uh, um, started with us almost, well, a little over a year ago, last January. He came back from uh, working at a Michelin-starred restaurant in California and moved back to Great Falls. And one of the things that he wanted to do while he was here was to add to his uh, repertoire. Yeah. So, yeah, we took him in. And he... It's been it's been awesome. He's been great for us, and we kind of trained our own employee at that point. So right, right. It worked nicely. Cool. And we, you heard about Michelin star restaurants uh, just a few podcasts ago when we met with Travis. Um, Typel. Typel. There we go. The Michelin star the name. that uh, originates from uh, Michelin tires, actually, and they were the ones that published that um, that little Michelin book of uh, recommend recommended places because um, it was a road tripping book. And so they're encouraging you to go on more road trips, which would burn your tires and, um, you know, up their profits. I didn't know that that's where it came from. Michelin Tire Oh, thanks star. for that nugget, Joe. Yeah, I watch that's a lot awesome. of food channels. So, you know. <laughs> so, so it was the four of us here mm-hmm. uh, on a day where you were closed. Yep. And um, we took this cut and we first took out the, the two that, that are some of, some of people's like favorite cuts uh, well I guess depending on what you're making because I, I kind of like all the cuts right they can all be my favorite just kind of depending um, but so I don't so I don't misquote anything sure they were the outside and inside skirt skirt yep. skirt or flank is that another way to say it or is that a different uh, flank cut? is a different cut yeah but okay. but very but very similar okay. though and you probably did see a lot of similarities there where you get mm-hmm. meat that's closer to the diaphragm region uh-huh. it has uh, more defined lines in it mm. and those are generally uh, better uh, marinating cuts uh, the those those take in the marinade better I mean the, you, the you, skirts do or the flanks do uh, both oh, okay. uh, just because you've got those more defined lines in okay. the meat um, yeah. but of course uh, you know as, as the uh, culinary world has kind of exploded mm-hmm. and you see more online recipes and more uh, ethnic food, I guess, uh, available more widely. Mm-hmm. Uh, skirt is definitely becoming one of those, uh, no longer a niche cut, but people want that for tacos. We're seeing more and more people walk in the door and actually request that. And I don't know that that was ever like a traditional cut if you were going to like a, an old school butcher mm-hmm. uh, or a, a farm butcher in the you know, I, I don't know that they ever used to take that stuff off. That might have gone in trim. I was going to say that, that might have really? just ended up in but, trim. But yeah. the great taco meat. Oh I my mean, gosh. fajitas, carne asada, those kind of things. Yeah, when I was living down in California, like that was the meat. Like it was always marinating for carne asada in that particular area of Oceanside, California. And I was, I'm hooked on it. Now that I know that I can just request it. Okay, continue before I get excited. <laughs> okay, so then after that, we, I'm trying to remember right, we took it, we took the, the rib apart at the, at, yeah, I think you called it the knuckle. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, so we took the uh, the skirts off, and then we we broke it almost. Uh, that kind of was the uh, the breastplate, so to speak. Right. So it, it there is a um, man. This is why you guys should have talked to somebody smarter. But there, <laughs> there. I guess that this is why I became a butcher. Right. Um, but there is a cartilage break down that I, I don't know if it, it is kind of a knuckle it's a joint right, right, I guess. right. Like, like a joint right in there in the ribs you almost can't even see it you have to kind of use your fingers to feel it yep and then we slipped the knife in there and then it was really 
it, quite satisfying to then like cut down that knuckle when it looked like solid rib like the whole way and it, the knife kind of slid through and then we got to actually like break it yep and that was pretty cool and then mm-hmm. we broke that away and then what is that small section maybe five inches the bottom five inches what does that turn into the the part that we broke off that we broke um, off. a lot of that gets trimmed but that is uh close that would that would be the belly actually the belly section so if you want to make bacon that would be a section that you use for, Out for of beef bacon. Beef bacon. Yep. So okay. yes, I, so yes, I do. <laughs> Thank, thanks <laughs> to for answer asking. that question. Yes, yes, yes I, do. I do. And then we went. Then we went and did a, a saw, yep. uh, which you would typically, if if not, you know, bringing us in, you'd use the uh, band saw, right? The, yeah, we we did the, it the traditional the traditional way. Way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys earned like, your, you you earned your stripes right, with that like, hand saw. That was <laughs> like a lumberjack. Yes, we lumberjacked to get the short ribs off. Yep. And then that was um, fun. We should all kind of know what short ribs are locally here. The short ribs that are probably the most known are over at Smoked. Yep. Um, I think Fridays, Fridays or Saturdays, they do beef. Yep. Yeah. Short yeah. Ribs. I think it's on Saturdays, but they yeah. uh, sometimes affectionately known as as dinosaur ribs. Yeah. Or brontosaurus yeah. ribs because they're just massive. Yes. They're massive. Cool. Yeah. Great. And, great smoking cut. And then and then we were left with the the top section that had like backbone where the ribs connect to the backbone. Yep, yeah, the, so the, um, there is an industry term for it. It's kind of interesting. There's numbers assigned to every cut of meat. So if you're ordering from a packing house and you want something a certain way or a certain length, it's got a specific number attached to it. And I think those are called 107 ribs. I ha- have to think back to my grocery days, but <laughs> okay. um, mm. it, that's a rib with the bone still on and the cap still on. And those are the best for aging because you've got that cap uh, to protect the to meat. To protect the meat, yeah. But yeah, and then of course, don't want to spoil it, but this was the the hardest cut you guys did was sawing through that bone, that smaller bone, right. <laughs> with that handsaw. Yeah, that was that was a tough. little tough to get the angle, mm-hmm. and then you know, th- the meat is cool. But by the time you get to this cut, it, it, it warms slightly, and so it moves on the table a little yep. bit easier. And so you kind of have to have somebody holding, but you don't want them to – you want them to have 10 fingers when they're done. Yeah. Some, and, and at points, we had, I think, all four of us, like, kind of trying to hold the meat steady <laughs> while either Joe or myself was, like, sawing through. Yep. It was it was, it was was pretty intense. And what I'm hoping is by the time this comes out, we'll have, like, a short little video uh, where where all of you can kind of watch because because this all culminated in us then cutting our own steaks off of this 107 cut. Yeah, yeah. You guys. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you did great, and Thank you. <laughs> and Thank you. Uh, uh, it was it was just awesome to uh, the the ability to be able to then um, not only cut that all the way through the process, but also get to cook it. And I saw both of your uh, cooking pictures, and it it looked quite delicious. So uh, cool. it, it was it was very awesome to be able to see you guys go through that all, and then get to cook what you cut. There. And then that steak, if we were going to order it from you, what would we what would we order from you? So that was a bone-in ribeye. Bone-in yeah. ribeye. I was calling it a top sirloin for some reason. Yeah, and when I was looking at that, like the giddiest I got, I mean, after cooking and eating it, was when um, you messaged 
like you had commented on my picture, but then also McCafferty had commented on my picture. And I was like, well, that's really cool. But like even more cool is like, that's what everyone outside of Montana thinks that we're doing all the time. Like we're just <laughs> going down, talking to our butcher, picking out the cow. And that's how we just eat steak in Montana. And I'm like, man, I'm really living that authentic Montana stereotypical life right now. I mean, because we never, I mean, very few of us get 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 a chance to do that. So I was like over the moon excited. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. I cooked a steak and the rancher that took care of the cow liked it and commented and so did the butcher that helped me cut it by hand. <laughs> oh my gosh, I could not be more excited to just like get my like hands. literally you know. dying in that moment would yes. have been like ideal. Take me now, Lord. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Here lies Joe Ryan. He cut his own steak by hand. <laughs> <laughs> and the butcher and rancher both commented on the yep. post about it. They were it, like, so. nice work, bro. So he was, was, like, he was It was his time. He was ready to go. That's all, that's all we would say. It's literally really all downhill from here. memorial service <laughs> it was his time yep <laughs> well and that's that's something that i actually kind of accidentally left out is all of this comes from um 30 minutes away mm-hmm. this this beef comes from 30 minutes away where they um the coolest part is i, I recommend everybody and they will be in the show notes but, um, but follow mccafferty ranch uh, also follow central avenue meats but follow mccafferty ranch because um they have their daughter megan that runs their social media and right now is, well, they're kind of getting near the end of calving, but it's been going on for a couple of weeks. She shows the live cams that they have. She Seriously, some of this you might not want to watch with your children because she spares nothing. Mm. Like you will see... How do you say that the right way? They, so, so ranchers, when calving, have really long gloves that mm. start at okay. the fingertip and go all the way up to their shoulder. Yeah, it's like a PG-13 sort of a activity, I guess. <laughs> I would say it's more than PG-13, but like wow. literally just the other day, I saw them trying to like, they have to go into a, an orifice of the cow and feel the calf and help, you know, move it or see if they're, they're ready. I don't, you know, I'm not a rancher. Like the nostril, right? Like the... Nope. Okay. Um, it would be the uh, uh, on, farther on, back. Yep. On, yeah, it's further back. I would say the opposite of the nostril. So the ear you're talking about. Okay. Gotcha. Nope. Go ahead. Nope. Go okay. even further back. Uh, <laughs> on fish, they call it the vent. Oh, hey. They call it the vent because um, all feces is removed that way. It's called the vent. On cows, it's probably called the anus. Not, okay. Not to be confused with Angus. Um, but these beef, these beef are, are sprout fed um they they i would say it's more than finished because when you uh if, if you start researching anything about ranching a lot of ranchers will get not not get rid of but essentially send off their cows to a finishing lot a feed lot and then in the last couple of weeks of their life they'll eat some some good food to improve the taste of the cattle but that's not what McCafferty's doing they stay right there and and it's, it's longer than a feedlot period that they're, they're eating sprouts, even right now when we mm-hmm. don't have anything green in Montana at all. And they have this hydroponics. And um, what that resulted in is what, um, Joe, I, I want you to describe your experience. Um, is this your first steak from a butcher? No. No, mm-hmm. not? No, no. Okay, but you, you just described to me, and mm-hmm. I was like, you've got to share this on the podcast, like, like your experience and your excitement about cooking the steak, you referred to um, color, you referred to taste, you referred to um, how excited you were that you felt like you could, well, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. You could, but really 
being able to walk into a butcher. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of covered the, okay, so it's exciting to cut the thing by hand and then you wrap it up in your paper and you take it home. But then just that day, Melanie had got, uh, my wife had got some uh, steak from the local grocery store because she wanted to try something called a banh mi, which is a beef sandwich with a Vietnamese sort of styled pickled vegetables. Very delicious and popular around the world, I guess. And um, she goes, hey, I go, hey, look, I got some steak. And she's like, oh, that's what a coincidence. I also got some steak. And so immediately I go and I grab her steak out and I just want to compare them. And on the steak that I just brought home is like the reddest brightest red almost like it was almost glowing bright red how red and bright it was and then next to her perfectly fine steak that you know you buy from maybe i think albertson's let's say it looked like gray and and weak by comparison (laughs) like it was like that is is that even a color of red because before i would say yep that's a piece of red meat right there but then when you compare it to something that you just cut and is the freshest ever that you're going to experience. The color even is just like, holy cow, should I eat, should I throw this other one away? Has this spoiled? It's so different in just appearance. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, I know how to cook a steak. It's not my first steak. Right. I've cooked many, many, many steaks. But I did not just fire up the grill and throw on some salt. I literally then opened up a book and relearned from step one, how to cook a steak, just to remind myself, okay, so you want to get that stuff up to, you want to have 30 minutes just up to room temperature at least, okay, and you want to have salt on that, okay, you know, reminding myself, and then I got my 14-inch cast iron pan, because it was a big steak, by the way, whoa, (laughs) dude, it was was one one of the biggest steaks I've ever seen, I had steak jealousy, just Mm -hmm. so you know, like, my steak was ample, Okay. Ample. It was ample. Mm-hmm. It was more than enough. It, yeah. Like literally, we, my wife and I could not finish this single steak Same. in one sitting. We had to have leftovers. Your steak, though, it was big, girthy, had some weight on it. Yeah. It was like yeah. two steaks. You <laughs> know was. what I mean? You could that, have easily cut that into almost three, actually. It was like but, whoops, but two I, for sure. Whoops, I forgot to cut the steak <laughs> into steak size. It's like a roast. Yeah. But you know what? Let's just cook it like a steak. That's what I did. Yeah. And so then you sent me a, re- uh, a recipe on how you cooked your steak. And I was like, I almost didn't look at it. But then I was like, well, I'm, I just want to know. And it was very similar to what I just looked at, but added the garlic and they added like a little rosemary sprig thyme, or thyme, thyme sprig. I just yeah. had. And then I looked at my kitchen and I was like, oh, I have a bunch of garlic. And I like use it. And so I used like 20 cloves of garlic. <laughs> okay. I smashed them. I put them in there. And then I looked in my fridge and I was like, oh my gosh, we actually have like fresh rosemary. That's crazy. I didn't have to go shopping for it or anything. I was like, this is divine, a divine intervention. Yeah. Like, like God wants me to eat this steak right. Yeah. And so I was like really glad I took the time to let it come up to temperature. I salted that mofo. I put the cast iron pan in the oven yep. at 500 for five minutes or more. I took it out. I put down grapeseed oil because of the high smoke point. It immediately started smoking. <laughs> and I tossed that bad boy in and I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I took pictures of it. Yeah. Like not because I was like hungry. I was like a proud papa. 
that's what I was gonna say. It felt like at that point when it was in when it when I I did like every step you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like including like reading, watching the video I sent you, mm-hmm. like I, I everything you've described. The only thing I didn't have was the divine intervention of either rosemary or thyme. I didn't have those, mm-hmm. but I felt it was okay. Which rosemary is my favorite steak seasoning after salt and pepper. I don't think I've ever done that before oh, either. I've never salt, pepper, garlic, and then rose, rosemary, I feel just, oh my goodness, it's, it's fantastic. But I did every single thing. But it was like, I know you don't put your child on a cast iron skillet, but it was like, I need to take a picture of this child. Yeah, right? like, like you're watching you're them so, walk. You're so proud of that <laughs> yeah. moment, like the yeah. first words, the first steps. Yep. That's what you have in that cast iron skillet. Yeah, because building up to that, you got a baby that's so cute. I mean, you're right. everyone adores the baby. Right, the baby's right. awesome. Look at yeah. this baby. But then when the baby takes that first step, and you're like, Aww. that's my boy. <laughs> right. right. The, the pride, right? That's yeah. the pride. I like how we're linking um, babies to eating steak. Mm-hmm. I do like it as well, because there's one other thing I forgot to mention is I like <laughs> almost like a... A, a nervous twitch. I like smacking meat. And mm-hmm. so I, I like immediately like smacked the meat. Then we wrapped it up. I smacked it again. I brought it home. I made my wife smack it. Mm-hmm. I made uh, two of my daughters smack it. Mm-hmm. But then you unwrap it and I was getting it to room temperature just mm-hmm. as you were doing. Mm-hmm. You could, if I would have pushed hard enough, I could have just pushed my finger through that steak. Mm. That's how tender that thing was. And re- referring to babies are cuddly and squishy and Tender, right? Oh, yeah. Same thing. I think you could push your finger through a baby if you tried hard enough. Yo. Like, don't do that. <laughs> I was wondering if we are going to, like, cross the line of, like... Did I cross the line? Baby. D- yeah. In- injuring baby joke. No, I don't think so. I mean... Oh, okay. Because there's, there's line a book... not crossed yet, so that's there, a challenge. There is a book on it. You know, there's a book on um, how to kill and eat... How to, how to eat... How to cook and eat babies, I think. No. It's a historical book. I, I think it was written by, um, oh, one of the famous Irish authors... I want to say Swift. Dang it. It'll come to me. Taylor, oh. Taylor Swift. I will. No, not Taylor. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know she was Irish. Well, she does look kind of Irish. Anyways, now I've forgetting, forgotten where we went from. Okay. Okay, you had just put it in the skillet, <laughs> taking pictures of it because you're a proud papa. And then I realized I'm not putting this in the oven to finish. I'm just going to cook it, you know? Even with as thick as it was, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I maybe... Uh, overly warned you like you might need to put it in the oven just to mm-hmm. get get everything i was ready i was like i might finish this in the oven right but it just held up i mean i probably cooked it on for seven minutes on each side or something or 10 but minutes like rotating the whole time not yes. leaving it yes right. I, I was doing a lot of um a lot of flipping yep. not doing the oh just just leave it there leave it there to get the sear i did but then i flipped it there's a little i mean I built up a good sear on both sides. I added some butter to finish it and then oh. threw in that sprig and those garlic things to finish it and, you know, flipped it a few more times, let it rest with a tent on it. Oh, you put a tent on. I didn't even do the tent. I, I let it rest, took pictures at that moment because mm-hmm. it's another moment, right, that you're proud yep. of. And also, at this point, you have all of the senses, like, firing off, like, like hey, it's time to eat. Yeah, your, your and, mouth is and telling And so letting you. it rest is the hardest part but let it rest for 10 minutes. My wife and I didn't even get out plates. You're right. It feels zen, doesn't it? Like it feels like you're in a, you're in a monastery. Right. And they're like, nope, you just got to sit there and meditate, bro, until yeah. I ding this dinger. Yep. And then it's time to eat steak. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Okay. And then I just, uh, I cut it against the grain mm-hmm. and 
the the key to that is that it, it, it makes it even though it's already tender it makes it even more tender you have shorter strands mm-hmm. of, of meat fibers and uh and we just like like cavemen and women mm-hmm. stood up in the, the kitchen eating and my my wife after she was like mm, this is really good you know mm-hmm. did all of that her full first full sentence that she could speak was we don't need date nights mm-hmm. just buy this mm-hmm. and do what we just did mm-hmm. and i feel loved okay. and appreciated yeah. like so it was it was her love language mm-hmm. what about you um yeah same and melanie is like a Every now and again, she gets on a, a vegan kick where she'll, you know, skew any meat dishes for a while. But which, she, which people definitely do. Like that's you not, know, that's not a you know not not as a lifestyle. Just every now and again, she goes out. But when it's quality meat, like she was, she's like, oh, I'm in. You know, game meat, she's in. Quality meat like that, she's in. And she was like all over that and just like I have a picture, I have a video of her taking the first bite and smiling and going, oh my gosh. I'm probably going to make it into a movie, you know, <laughs> a full length feature film. Yeah. I have like little, little cuts of little, little sections of me, you know, cooking this, cooking that. And then Melanie tasting it. It's like, I can relive the moment again and again. Right. And then after, have you ever eaten a lot of red meat and then felt all weird or had trouble sleeping or I don't know what it is. You, you were describing this to me um, before and I haven't really experienced that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm maybe, maybe just, I'm not, um, Paying enough attention, I don't right? Know. right? And like, maybe I'm sensitive, or, or making that association that it's mm-hmm. oh, it's because I ate this red meat and now yeah, I can't almost, sleep. Or it's whatever. almost like a thing around my house where I'll you know, oh man, we had a lot of red meat. Well, we're gonna have crazy dreams tonight, and you just kind of feel a little bit off. Uh-huh. You know, I've always had this theory that it's all the hormones and stuff like that, and the bad stuff that we're we're getting when we buy the cheaper meat. I didn't feel that way after this steak. I mean, I was stuffed full of meat, and I was like, you know. I feel okay. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I, I felt like a new man. Yeah. I feel like, like a, a proud, proud papa. I feel like I just, a, just sent a kid off to college. Yep. Good, good luck. Sunny boy. Yeah. I'm beaming with pride. Although I've, I mean, in real life I've eaten you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You, you made yeah. that connection. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to think of that. I'm going to look up the name of that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be linked in the show notes, so you can you can buy it. Yeah, how to? Ugh, it's gross. I don't even want to say the words. Okay, Drew. So we we've we've gone through all of this, and and listen, this was this was this was a treat. This was um, thoroughly uh, enjoyable, and um, I don't know. I think food, which we've we've just podcasted a couple times with Roadhouse, uh, which you supply their meat for. And uh, we, food is a love language. It's what communities are built on. It's it's how you you know relate with people is food, and so we just um, I guess formally on air so everybody can hear. Just want to say thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. you for the opportunity. It was great to learn and see and 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 cut that meat and then to have um, this this miraculous cut of meat to cook. It was a great day. It was a great day. I mean, I <clears throat> I know that Nick and I had a great time with you guys. That 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 is probably my one of my biggest passions here with the shop is kind of reintegrating people with the meat that they eat. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, it is uh, just being a kind of a meat depot or a butcher shop. It is fun, but 
you know, we're used to, it, it is a job. We just, we, we get eight beef, we cut through them, we make things that we hope people will enjoy. Right. But the, the real, um, I guess, meaningful uh, times are when we get to connect with uh, the community and customers, uh, especially as people learn to, like, whether they're trying it for the first time or they're getting to cut it. I mean, that was, that, that's what makes that a lot more special, is you guys really got the full experience, and it was fun to have that experience with you guys. So th it was gratifying to me as well. And, I mean, from a, you know, we, we can get as philosophical as you guys want to get, but I, I really do think that that point that you made about um, food being so integral mm -hmm. to community is something that I discounted a lot when I was younger mm -hmm. um, and am learning at an older age just how important it is and how meaningful it is to share meals together, mm -hmm. to, um, to, to make that more of a priority. And I think that that has been tougher in society lately because you see these food delivery services. So a lot of people aren't eating together in restaurants anymore. Yeah. Um, and not that there's an, anything inherently wrong with that, especially when you're going through a time in history like we've been going through. But sure, sure. I, I think that that is one of the things where you, you would hope for a, a tighter knit community would be more people eating together and sharing meals. And mm -hmm. there is an importance to that that, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just awesome to hear about the memories that you guys had with your families through this experience. Mm -hmm. Because that takes it from, hey, you had a good meal, but it... It, it becomes something a little bit more meaningful. And frankly, to, to me, that's, that's kind of the purpose of the shop, right. ultimately. Right. The purpose that will outlive me or any of my employees or any of the other stuff is the memories that are made by the people that buy things here or, or util, utilize the products from here. So it was, that, that's when I have the most fun, that's when I'm showing that stuff to somebody else. So thank you for letting me do that. Yeah, our pleasure. Well, and I, I, I wanted to add to one part that you missed on your story was uh, when you were re recounting to me how excited you were to be able to now feel like you have a butcher. Oh, yeah. To feel like I could, I could call Drew and just ask you a question like, hey, what about this kind of meat or that kind of preparation and just get, get like a real-time answer from somebody, like an expert. Like, that's awesome. Right. Because <laughs> I, I feel like I've asked certain um, people behind the meat counter around town about certain things and they'll just be like, I don't know. And nope, <laughs> nope, we don't do that here. So sorry, do you want one of these things? Or <laughs> so. Well, and, and my previous use of, of butchers, uh, well, so I've, I've had experience cutting up meat because I, I cut up my own game meat. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a little bit more experience, <laughs> not specifically with the size that we were dealing with mm -hmm. last week, um, but my experience with butchers has mainly been, hey, can I get um, some fat from you, right? Yep. So I, I um, occasionally when you're grinding up um, the, the scrap off of deer or elk or antelope, you'll mix in beef or pork fat, uh, mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing with it. And yeah, a lot of butchers, you know, that's been my most experience. I've bought meat from butchers and all that stuff, but um, I came in here and I think I, I missed it just by like a couple of days because like you, you had gotten written, you, like you didn't have any at the time. Um, but I came in here and it was just a, a, a 
total different experience than like walking into Sam's or Albertsons and not picking on them. Yeah. But but walking in there and saying, hey, and the butcher's like, yeah, let me hold on. Let me go grab it. You know, but I came in here and you guys, oh, what are you using it for? Oh, what are you doing? Oh, this is this. And like told me like the whole story, which convinced me at that point, I ended up buying um, bone so I could make beef stock. Oh. And you had, you had, I can't remember what, I think it was, uh, Oh, I can't remember what bone it was, but you had cut them in half to make it easier for the broth, right? Oh, yeah, some marrow bones. Some marrow bones. There you go. Oh. And so I had ended up, like, through the conversation, you guys weren't trying to sell me anything. I just said, oh, I'm, I'm doing this and this and this. And you're like, oh, well, we have bones right here. And I was like, oh, well, that's fantastic. That's not even what I was coming here for, but I'm going to buy those now, right? And cool. made, made beef stock with it. And so it was pretty cool. And I, I like, just like you're saying, when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, like, Drew... Mm-hmm. We can now like have on our business card our butcher is Drew. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like, <laughs> yep. It feels like this, uh, this status. I don't yeah. even know. Not like like I'm more important or whatever, but no, like, it's like, like it's just like I've made it as an adult. Yeah, you, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you know the uh, the show Archer. Yeah, when he like makes jokes like, "Oh, you don't have a suit guy." Right, right. Oh, oh right. you don't have a you don't have a shoe guy. You yeah, know, I, I've heard that joke and gone, oh, "I want a shoe guy." That would be pretty cool to have a, a, a cobbler. <laughs> a cobbler just talk uh, to me about what what type of gait that I have. Do I overpronate and then build me a shoe <laughs> just for me? Right. That and, would. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And you could you could come into Drew and just say, "Hey, I'm looking at you know tacos are on my mind now because we talked about the the skirt, mm-hmm. the skirt steaks, you know. Um, but you know, I want to make some tacos. Uh, what do you what do you got you know laying around here? And he's like, "Well, nothing's laying around, but." This is what I've got for you. Here's your, you know, and you could do that. Uh-huh. And then later when you're cooking for guests and you're like, oh, well, I mean, I just went to my butcher. Yeah. Uh, and you can just throw that out. This is a signature cut. He, yeah. know, he knows what I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I only take skirts from the right side of the cow. That's right. You know? <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's making me think of like how proud I was when I had a barber. Right? Oh, right, right. And, and it was because all of a sudden you go to somebody and they, you have a history with them mm-hmm. and you, you can trust them and you almost get the feeling that they're, because they know you, they're looking out for you, right? They, they kind of, they have your back. Right. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully as your official butcher now, I'll, I'll take that mantle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we would only give you uh, cuts that we think would work for what you're using. And there have been a couple of times that we've tried to talk people out of what they were going to do. Right. Um, we've had, uh, heard stories of people doing a, like grinding wild game that we're going to do like a 50, 50 oh, mix. <laughs> wow. And uh, 50% fat, 50% yes. meat. That's and a uh, high, high percentage. Whoa. And it was just something they'd read or something that they had misunderstood. But mm-hmm. you know, our hope was that we just saved them from, you know, really, I guess, wasting a lot of this meat. I hope what they heard was 15 and just <laughs> misheard it. Cause that's like a 15 is about as high as I'll ever go. Right. And I use that for like sausage. Uh, nice. But if you're just cooking like, um, you know, like making a hamburger or meatloaf or something like that, like mm-hmm. 10% less, mm-hmm. even less than that is fine. Just in, and all the fat does, it adds a little bit of flavor. And so actually like I only want to get my fat from here now um, because the flavor of the fat in that steak was phenomenal, mm-hmm. but uh, it adds a little bit of flavor, but it keeps the keeps the meat from falling apart because game meat is so uh, lean. There's just oh. no fat in it, and if uh-huh. there is, you kind of want to cut it out because it's not super flavorful in game. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so you add in beef fat because it is amazingly flavorful. Yeah. And so that's what you do. So 50%, I, ooh, that would be man. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, as you see people kind of stepping out um, and trying some of the recipes they see, you know, there are so many recipes now, right? So you, you Google Bon Me or something like that. Mm-hmm. You can find a pretty wide variety of, of opinions on that. Now, ratings help, but some people who are getting into it for the first time, I think, can find, be misled by different things they read or different opinions of people they see. And so our hope is that we're kind of on their side advocating for them. Uh, yeah, and, and really, so each interaction that we have with a, with a customer, you, you know, the next time that we're talking to somebody else, you're getting um, that, that base of knowledge, I guess. So when you guys cook steaks that way, I can pass that recipe that you guys used on to somebody else who's trying for the first time because maybe that recipe makes more sense to them. Mm-hmm. So as kind of a community mind here, you guys are actually helping future customers mm. and, 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 and it, you know, really being integrated within the community here. Uh, There's just kind of a community participation. And I think that maybe that's what gets lost at some of those grocery store mm-hmm. um, departments is you're not talking to anybody, you're not interacting with anyone, you're just kind of grabbing and going. Yep. And you don't get to, um, you just don't get that interaction that, that I'm hoping that you get here. Right. And, you know, we're, we're learning from you guys what, what you've tried that works and how to explain things better. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about you guys is the, the apparent love that you have for this community, for Great Falls in the area. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously... Um, the name of your podcast, everything else uh, reflects that. And we, we feel the same affection for the community and we want everybody to come in here who comes in here to have the best meal that they could have out of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, it, that, that goes along with the purchasing experience too. Mm-hmm. So we want to, we want to talk to people about how life's going Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all sorts of weird conversations in here, <laughs> and but but it's fun. That's kind of the flavor of of life while we're doing the actual physical uh, breaking of the carcasses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 just cool to cool to see all of us kind of involved in this thing locally. Yeah. And so and so that's a that's a good note to then then say you know you're you're centrally like. Central Avenue meets like it's as, as mm-hmm. close to central of downtown and, and Great Falls as you can kind of get. Mm-hmm. But what what I guess give us your origin story, right? Your, your genesis story, like, uh, you know, where'd you grow up? And then how did you how did you end up here at Central? And when you start that story, I'm going to be a little distracting, but I'm going to get up and move the camera real quick. Um, but yeah, start. The, I can still hear. But sure. Start the story and uh, tell us. Yeah, that 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 genesis, that origin story of what what brings Drew here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll try to do the broad strokes. Um, born in Geraldine, uh, which is down by Fort Benton, yeah. uh, town of 200, 250. Okay. Um, small, uh, had 13 kids in my graduating class. Um, okay. okay. So really had a, um, a small town Montana upbringing. Um, was raised on a farm and ranch, but didn't... Uh, didn't particularly care about that work at all. Okay. I do think my, my dad was uh, just an incredibly hard worker, um, 
but he was he was definitely somebody that I think was encouraging me to pursue maybe more lucrative options because there were a lot of kind of hard scraping years in that. Gotcha. Um, he 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 did well working, but he um, it was backbreaking work, mm-hmm. and uh, so I got to a, a great uh, male role model in that regard. But somebody who was um, encouraging me to 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 maybe test the waters of other ventures. Mm-hmm. So uh, after high school, um, went to college in Missoula, um, got a marketing degree. Mm. Um, my, if you would have asked me when I was 20 years old, my ideal job would have been sitting in a corner office of a high rise somewhere in New York City or Chicago or wherever, yeah. uh, making ads. Doing the Mad Men thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, th- that would have been what I would have considered to be like the pinnacle yeah, of, okay. of of achievement. It looked fun, that show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my liver thanks me that I didn't do that. Right. But, uh, um, yeah, so I got down to, um, uh, well, I, I started looking for jobs when I graduated, realized that there is a, um, an oversupply of people with marketing degrees, oh. and ended up going to Denver uh, because I was offered a job at a quote-unquote marketing firm, which was actually just direct sales. So, um, which is fine. I, I was looking for a reason to get out of here and maybe, maybe just see what the rest of the world had to offer. Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of job we, we were selling for the warehouse side of Staples uh, called Quill. Um, I wonder how many other people have either heard of that or maybe new people that worked in this job because there was a lot of turnover. It almost seemed like kind of that first job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you would basically get a zip code in Denver, mm-hmm. um, which there are obviously a lot of zip codes down there. But you would go to every business within that zip code and try to sell them office supplies. And so you would go into a lot of places where you, you were not a welcome site because you were a solicitor, basically. Right. Um, right. Although you had, a, you had a line that would get you past the no soliciting mm-hmm. signs. But did that... Um, Wait, what was the, what was the line? Uh, technically, we're not soliciting because we don't have any products with us. Oh, <laughs> so, man. So those no soliciting signs you see on all these businesses, they're, 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 uh, you, you can skate past them. As long as you don't bring your products with you. All right, yep. okay. I got it. Got it. So, so now you guys know that for the yep. future. Okay. Yep. And uh, um, I got into... Uh, after that, I still wanted to do some marketing stuff. So I left that job... Uh, just because it, it wasn't working out. I wasn't very satisfied with a lot of the corporate incentives there. And um, I started building websites. So it, it was kind of the, the genesis of the Squarespace, okay. um, Wix time where you could, you could kind of uh, click and drag and build websites without having to know how to code. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a couple of years, um, enjoyed it, but didn't really have the drive to go out and... Uh, promote myself, mm-hmm. uh, probably a little shell shock from having to go out, go door to door within my previous job. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that I, I was doing pretty well at that, but I didn't really, I wasn't really hungry to do that. I, I like places where people come to you yeah, <laughs> and right. I was in an apartment in Denver, but when I was kind of becoming, when it was becoming clear that that wasn't going to, uh, be, um, I guess that I was going to need to do something else. I, at the time, I was eating uh, very, um, pretty, pretty healthy because I'd noticed some dietary things that I had to change. 
Mm -hmm. um, I took an acne medication in high school called Accutane, mm -hmm. which uh, is kind of a dirty word to a lot of people, uh, right, me, me right. included. Uh, mm -hmm. um, it it uh, did some damage to my stomach, so I had to remove. Uh, I've been almost 10 years of being gluten, uh, dairy, and uh, egg yolk free. Whoa. And those are all things that taste really good and are in everything. <laughs> right. yeah. So I was shopping a lot at Whole Foods down there, the natural grocery store. Right. Mm -hmm. And so while I was uh, looking at what my next uh, step was going to be, I um, decided, hey, you know, I can always work at Whole Foods while I try to figure out what I'm going to do. And when you work there, you get a discount there too. So hey. um, that was my thinking of get, get paid in a couple ways here. And I started, there's a, there's a big Whole Foods on the outskirts of Denver in a place called Belmar. And they had a smokehouse in their uh, Whole Foods. So I started working in this smokehouse and just gradually got more and more interested in in what I was doing, and I was adjacent to the meat department, we would, we would get briskets and pork from the meat department to put in the smokehouse. Hmm. So I got to know those guys, um, went over there, found that I enjoyed the work. Um, there was something very nice after being in marketing, and just you have a full day where you're sitting behind a computer, and you're tired, you're mentally tired, but you're not physically tired. Mm -hmm. And... I just really didn't realize how much I wanted that tactile work. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to use my hands. I wanted to get physically tired at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I did some investigating, um, found a butcher. I wanted to learn more because you, at, at, at the grocery stores, you just get things in boxes. So you get a box of those 107 ribs right. and you just cut those all day, but you don't get to break them down from the cow. Right. And so I found a butcher's apprenticeship program in Brooklyn, uh, New York. And so I, I had to apply to it. They only took three people at a time. Um, you had to pay for the apprenticeship and then figure out your own rent and living expenses. But, uh, I was blessed enough to be in a place where I could do that and went there and actually worked for, uh, went to this place called Fleischer's. Uh, which was right in Red Hook on the pier, um, really the closest part of Brooklyn to the Statue of Liberty. So okay. you're just working down on the, not the docks, <laughs> but I mean, kind of the docks. Really right. close. Right. And just for 12 weeks, just broke, uh, learned how to break uh, beef, pork, and lamb. Just every day, five days, I mean, five days a week, but just cut. And... Um, from there, I uh, went back to Colorado. My, my soon-to-be wife was still living there. And so I worked in a five-star restaurant um, and that had a butcher shop attached to it uh. So uh, called Cowboy Star that um, kind of taught me how to portion cut for restaurants. Um, you know, they need this many eight-ounce tenderloins. Right, right. And hmm. you learn really fast that how to not mess those up because they oh, let yeah. you know when you cut something the wrong size. You know, so you kind of gained that in my arsenal. And then I worked for a, a, a kind of a, a bigger packing plant called Ranch Foods Direct. Um, for a guy at, the, at the same time? In, in Colorado Springs. Um, kind of, and then I, I actually left the restaurant and went to this packing okay. plant. And this was more of, uh, once again, getting into the whole animal butchery again. And from then, after my wife and I got married, we decided to move back to Great Falls. I had my, my dad lived out in Geraldine still. And I wanted to be up here to kind of take care of him. He's an older guy. Um, he actually just passed away. He was 87. So I had an older dad. Yeah. Um, but 
when I got up here, uh, I knew that I wanted to start something like this, but it wasn't apparent um, how long it was going to take or where I was going to put it. Uh, we looked at a lot of buildings around. I just knew that I wanted to be downtown because I could feel the shift coming downtown. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up here. Uh, I know you guys were kind of in the area too, but when I was growing up, it used to be the mall. Yep. Just right. Yep. The only places I wanted to be when I came up to Great Falls were the mall and Pizza Hut. <laughs> and um, sadly, those places aren't what they used to be anymore. Right. Yeah, but yeah. I could feel the shift coming downtown. And I, I, in, in bigger cities, it had already kind of yeah, the, showed. The, the gentrification of, yep. of the, the older areas, yeah. Which I think is, is cool. I mean, there's kind of a little nostalgia left for the old Great Falls. Mm -hmm. But um, anyways, I, I, we were looking at properties down here. And while we did that, I actually went and worked at the slaughterhouse out in Vaughn. Okay. So on the outskirts. And I had never been in the slaughter uh, um, process before. And so that once again, that just kind of added things. It gave me a bigger picture of the whole process from um, the cow being alive to the cow being on your plate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've just had, I've, I've had excellent teachers. Um, sometimes these butcher shops can be somewhat rough environments, but, mm -hmm. um, when you're willing to work, uh, I think, and you prove that you're willing to work, uh, I've had some mentors that have really kind of taken me under their wing and shown me, shown me tricks and, and tips and stuff. And, and then in uh, March 2018, while I was working at the slaughterhouse, we bought this building, um, had it gutted, um, and then construction uh, was a longer process. But uh, construction got done in about April 2020, and then we opened in May 2020, uh, right during the uh, mid-pandemic, I guess. But yeah, right. It was also in the middle of a meat shortage too, so um, I can't complain as much as <laughs> as much as uh, a lot of businesses could, because it, it actually I think a lot of people came down and uh, went out of oh, the so way. So the to meat try shortage something. didn't hinder you; it actually helped you, right? Because I'm getting my meat from a different place than the. It, if if I had been getting it from traditional places, I may not have had anything to sell, right? Uh, for my first months. Uh, and how we, did you get that relationship with uh, McCafferty? Uh, I met them, um, I'm, I was connected to them through the GFDA, uh, which is the development uh, authority here. Yeah. They, they help businesses that are um, trying to get off the ground. And I just noticed, I, once again, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more niche. And I knew that the, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but they are able to feed grass all year long. And so the, nutritionally, that meat is is better. And you also have people that, uh, especially in like the CrossFit community, things like that, that only want uh, grass finished meat. Hmm. And that just wasn't very readily available here in Great Falls, right. other than right. if, if you're going to kill wild game or, or order an online ordering process. So even though there are a lot of really good quality ranchers in the area, I mean, the cows that we raised when I grew up were treated very ethically. And I think that that's the case really around the area. Um, these were just more nutritionally uh, rich. Uh, they were eating better food. Uh, the cows seemed to be healthier and it, it gave me kind of that niche market for the, the grass finished. So I, I was really excited to get involved with them. And like you said, they, that relationship has been so pivotal because of the, the transparency that they're willing to provide mm -hmm. the, the level of passion that they have for the community as well. Those mm -hmm. things have really, uh, meshed nicely. And I'm just very lucky to be in business with the McCafferty's. They've, they've taken very good care of me. Um, hopefully we have reciprocated that. But um, 
it's just awesome to have a uh, to to know those ranchers. So Joe, like when you talked about them commenting on your post, I think that they really do care that their meat turns out well when you cook it. Yeah, I felt that way. And these are the people who, uh, Brian, like you talked about, on Instagram were pulling a calf the other day, graphically. Graphically. <laughs> and, and then like, like just recently, within the last 24 hours, we're, um, there was a, a, a section of the, uh, I, I think it's placenta, I'm not sure if it's the right word, yeah. but the, uh, that was covering the mouth and nose of a calf when it came out. And they're like, oh, when this happens, and they like explained the whole thing, that like, yeah, this, is, this can be dangerous, but here's how we take care of it. And they literally are showing this, this calf, like fresh calf coming out and, and what they do to, to remove that stuff. It is, it is as yeah. transparent as you can get. And they love the animals. You can tell yeah. that they love the animals. I mean, they're out there um, when it's 20 below, they are caring for those animals. There's no ethical concerns at all about whether they really have a love for the, the livestock that they're raising. And so to, to see them involved in this to the degree that they're involved in is is just more evidence that you can have like a sustainable um meat supply process uh and that within a community too Mm -hmm. so these are people where if you you probably might see them shopping at the local hardware store when they come to town Mm -hmm. or uh, at a basketball game when tournaments are going on and you know these are the same people that are are raising the food that you'll eat Mm-hmm. And it's just, once again, not only are your dollars supporting them and helping them feed their family, but you can just, there's a level of trust there that is just, I think, impossible to have with national brands when you don't know the people that are doing that stuff, uh, that, are, that are manufacturing those cows, or manufacturing cows, raising the cows in like Nebraska or yeah. Iowa. And that doesn't mean that those people are bad people or anything. You just don't know them to the degree right. that you can know these ranchers. And kind of on the flip side, I know you talked about it a little earlier, but the relationships that we have with Roadhouse, um, with some of the other restaurants we work with, uh, Harvest Craft Kitchen, Double Barrel, uh, Fifth and Wine, those are places that we have been fortunate enough to, to partner with that we know are representing our quality standards and the McCafferty quality standards um, to the degree that is necessary. So, I mean, we couldn't pick a better burger uh, um, vendor, uh, burger restaurateur than Jason and Tara. Right. Um, for, and just the way that they present what we do yeah. and the way that they present what the ranch does too. Right. And so you guys have, um, you, you could talk to the rancher and the burger restaurant, uh, often maybe in, in, in the same restaurant. I know the McCafferty's <laughs> go in and eat there when they're in town. And right. there's just something very satisfying about keeping that commerce in the, in the community. Once again, we both, all, all three of us love this community and the, the people in it. And it's, we should be a place where you get the best burger here. You know, people should come from mm-hmm. bigger cities to eat here, mm-hmm. you know, because we are raising it here. It shouldn't go out of state and then come back to us right. in some fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way that if you want good seafood, you go to the coast. Right. People should come here for good beef because this is where it's being raised. So mm-hmm. it's been very, I mean, uh, there's a lot of purpose behind uh, the way I felt kind of led to this uh, location, to this this industry, this wasn't what I thought I was going to do when I was growing up. Right. And I'm really glad that 
I'm not doing what I thought I was going to do because this has been a lot more fulfilling. It's so interesting. We just got done talking to um, Jason Beam at Roadhouse, and he was talking about his past as a marketer. And you went to school for marketing. And my little marketing thing is um, when I went back to school, or I was thinking about going back to school and the VA was thinking about paying it for it uh, for me. And so I had to take these aptitude tests and I wanted to go back to school to be a musician and do all this other stuff. And I wanted to get another degree and everything, all of their tests said, well, the only thing that we're going to pay for that would make sense for you is marketing. Like that's where you need to be. And I was like, no, I will not do that. How dare you? And now here I just opened up a marketing business. I mean, I just, that's we, we I think our paths are just so interesting. I mean, they're, they're so interrelated. I mean, knowing how to do marketing just to be able to present these new ideas or these old ideas that you're trying to make new again, to be able to present them to a city and go, hey, you guys should come participate. Here we are, you know, and to have that language and to know what to do with a website. I mean, it's just profoundly interesting. And that's why I think Brian and I do this. We're just like having a conversation, but man, how much did I learn about Great Falls just by talking with one person last night? Right. I mean, just all of the things I didn't realize that we knew all these different people. This person that worked over there and owned that building and played in that band actually was raised on that ranch over there. Right, right. Yeah, and some of that was even off air after we were we were talking yeah. with Jason. We were looking through his office and yeah. all of that stuff, and we, we realized all of these these connections. But yeah, it's a, it's a small town, and I like the point that you make of making old things fresh. Because this is as like old school as you can get having a butcher, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've yeah. all like, I would say ten years ago, this this like it's kind of unheard of to have a butcher. There, there would be like an old like corner, almost kind of scary. I'm not trying to pick on anybody here in town or anything like that, sure. but like. It, it kind of wasn't heard of. You just went to the grocery store. That's there's like did. famous yeah. ones you see in New York or right, San Francisco right. on the see food like, channels. There's like three you know, amazing ones in yeah. the world that have been run yeah. since you know the country started. With and, and and this just feels especially so. I think I was a little shocked to to find out that like COVID actually kind of the meat sort has helped you, um, but essentially COVID has also helped because people are reverting back to like let's get stuff from Montana, let's get stuff from America, because we've had such supply chain issues, mm-hmm. and like this this is going to be the last supply chain to break down because McCafferty has to drive thirty minutes to bring you a cow, right? Like, and then we just have to walk downtown and we can get meat from you like this is this is as hard to break down as anything can be yeah yeah Yeah, it's really the when we talk about challenges in this in this uh industry um the the labor challenges uh really our bottleneck is at the slaughterhouse Mm. so anything that you buy in a grocery store or restaurant any any meat that you get that's not like a quarter of a cow or a half a cow has to be killed at a um a usda inspected slaughterhouse and that is where you're seeing just labor shortages, a lot of turnover. Mm. Um, at, at bigger ones, obviously, it's been chronicled. There's poor working conditions in some of those giant slaughterhouses. It's a right. lot of a lot of immigrant labor, and it turns over because when the people come up and work in there, it's they're just really depressing places to be. These these local slaughterhouses are better, but there's so few inspected ones because of uh, just the nature of the work and and everything that. Uh, the people that work there kind of need to have a passion for it or you burn out 
pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But um, we are hoping, so right now, the, the McCafferty is actually take the, the beef from belt uh, when it's ready to be killed uh, all the way to Sheridan, Wyoming. It's killed. And then they bring it all the way back. Oh, wow. Okay. And that was going to be my next question. Yeah. And so, and so we're hoping that um, it, it does seem like there might be some more options coming in around Lewistown or Helena or Conrad, which would make all the difference in the world to the McCafferty's. But once again, that, that's an element. That's probably the biggest element of the supply chain that uh, we need to come locally. You know, it, 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 it's a, in a bigger sense, it's a conversation about the trades mm-hmm. and how they're they 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 were kind of i guess slept on uh, or mm-hmm. not promoted very well right. for a couple of decades which is probably why i wanted no part i thought i was going to sit in a corner office <laughs> right. not not right. be a plumber but yeah. uh, in essence uh you know those those things are so necessary to everyday life the electricians the plumbers the contractors the and and the the, the butchers are, are are certainly a part of that conversation and yeah, I, I think I hope that our community supports that because the more that we can get locally, the 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 more options we will have for that, and and the more readily available our supply chains, you know, they're going to stay more stocked up. But yeah, I was going to uh, jump back really quick. It 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 does seem that during well something like dry aging that used to be the industry standard. Um, we talk about making old things fresh. And then as the, the industry got more um, mechanized or industrialized, mm-hmm. um, I mean, people just, th- there wasn't time to dry age. There wasn't time to hang that meat that long. And so, you know, they, they, they'll age it in, in, in vacuum seal bags or whatever. And so there'll be some aging, but it's not the same. And it also, uh, there's bacterial um, problems that you have to overcome when you do things that way instead of the old way. And so you, when you see the shift coming back, it, it is a shift to better practices. They're just not quite as uh, industrialized, I guess. Right. And, and also, I, I didn't really think about this too much growing up, but we, we've had a really good reception to the fact that we cut all the meat uh, out in the open in our shop. I mean, mm-hmm. when you guys cut, it was right out in the, the middle of our shop. Mm-hmm. Right. And it does seem that at, at, at some point people... I don't know if companies came up with it or, or the, the public decided that they didn't really want to see that stuff. Uh-huh. But a lot of those grocery store meat departments do seem like they're, the, the meat is cut away from the person. Right. They don't have to see part of that process or you know, it's done in back rooms. Or, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that we're seeing a really positive response to. So, so it is on that. I haven't necessarily thought about it a ton, but it, it is that making those old things that I think were better practices. People felt more connected to the food they were eating mm-hmm. and felt that it was safer. You know, you don't know what's going on in that back room, but when it's here, you can see like what the meat looks like and what the people are doing with it. And there's, there's just more accountability. Um, those old practices were not necessarily bad, they're, they just, we're, we're trying to bring them back. And so how long would you say, like, if we, if we go to a, a grocery store, is, is that meat, is that meat aged at all? Like what, it, what typically would happen? And maybe a, yeah. like your previous, like at Whole Foods or whatever, like. It, it depends on the, at, the, at some of the higher end grocery stores, I think the meat does get probably around 10 days dry aged. Um, if you're going at some of the lower end, um, 
a lot of times at some of those bigger slaughterhouses, they want to have the meat cut and in a bag within 36 hours. Wow. And so it's going to age in that bag. So it's going to tenderize a little bit, but you're not going to get the flavor uh, because it's kind of marinating in that bag. Yeah. yeah. And you just run a bigger risk of um, foodborne bacteria um, surviving in that bag and not dying in the open. So there are bigger concerns for E. coli. Um, I know salmonella on poultry, mm-hmm. things like that. And those have, those have definitely been exacerbated by um, just the, the, the fact that they want to get that meat out faster. They don't want to lose the weight of that, the water evaporating out of that meat during the dry oh, aging. Oh, gotcha. You know, the, that's all dollar bills. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to, to, once again, when we're looking at the idea of taking things slower a higher quality, um, more of a memory being made when you consume this meat. It kind of making, putting more importance on the food itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that it's been really gratifying to see people, you guys included, um, experience that and uh, put, a, put a level of importance on that. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. Those are, a lot of, those are a lot of good points. I could, I could kind of attack any of them, but I, I really want to give a little information to our listeners. Um, what, what do you, I mean, we've talked about butchering and, and cutting up everything, but what, do you, what could they come in here and buy? Like, what do you offer? Yeah, what would you tell somebody that, like, this is where you come for this? You know, uh, I think, uh, obviously, so we... we we, in, in our estimation, we try to have the best beef, the best pork, and the best lamb that you can buy in a retail store here in Great Falls. So you know, and, where and, do you get your pork and lamb from? Uh, our pork comes from Fall Tree Farm. Uh, it's out in Loma, right past Fort Benton. Oh, okay. Uh, he is often, uh, Nick Larson, the owner, is often up at the farmer's market uh, okay. selling chickens and stuff, too. Okay. And so uh, he, uh, he raises heritage breed hogs, uh, Berkshire. And uh, they are, once again, you know, treated ethically. Uh, obviously, that's kind of a, yeah. it's a low bar, but it's a bar that we put there. Yeah. And uh, we've had just rave reviews about the, the, the quality of that compared, and the flavor of that compared to uh, other retail pork. And then we get the mm-hmm. lamb from uh, the Montana Sheep Company in Fairfield. Fairfield. So uh, Brent and right. Tracy Raider. And I will say that the best compliment I've ever heard for their product is I have a, um, a relative in town who's a historian and was in the Navy and, and spent time in the Middle East. He sp- spent time in Napa Valley. He's eaten a lot of lamb, and he mm-hmm. likes it. And he said unequivocally that their lamb was the best that he'd ever tasted last year. Whoa. And, um, yeah, it's just we have this stuff locally. You know, uh, it, it's just there's – I guess there's kind of a frustration when we you guys – when, when any of us, because I certainly buy stuff there, um, not meat, but other products at, at the local Albertsons or local Smiths or something, and you go in there and you see the meat department and the, the beef is coming from Nebraska or Iowa, mm-hmm. and the, um, the lamb is coming from New Zealand. I mean, oh, wow. we have that stuff here. Um, and the more that it's promoted, the more the industry could kind of turn to sub- you know, supporting these local, obviously yeah. our motto is support your local rancher. Mm-hmm. We, we, we believe that. Yeah. I was going to say like, um, being a marketing guy, uh, most people would probably put their logo where you have support your local rancher on your, on your swag, right. Yeah. On your, on your hat. 
I thoroughly love your hat. Um, but you, most people would have Central Avenue meets, right? But you have support, your local rancher. And what I've realized, because I've worn this hat nonstop since I bought it a week or so ago, um, people know that this is you. Yeah. Like, this is your brand association to support your local rancher. And they're like, oh, Central Avenue meets. I'm like, it doesn't even say that anywhere on the hat. It has some Good. knives on the side. And so... Uh, Going against the grain of what, you know, typical marketing, you've actually done a really good job of, of brand association here in town because people are like, oh, Central Avenue Meats, this is what they do. It's not like what they look like, it's what they do. And so it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, we've had, uh, th- even, even with my background in like logo design and, and marketing, I, I really wanted to design our logo, but I couldn't, I, I just couldn't come up with it. And so... Um, we had a, a friend of a friend in Colorado did it for us. Uh, I think you uh, pronounced Eamon Design, but the, the logo he came up with us uh, for us, the, the, the knives that are kind of downtown street signs. Uh, it's just been right. awesome to, I don't know, I just don't, uh, there's something about this, this mantra, so to speak, or the slogan that uh, I would rather see people doing that, whether or not we exist, than see people necessarily um you know with my business name hopefully there's a level of humility in that but i do really want to see people get passionate about the the local uh uh i guess agricultural ecosystem Mm. and you know uh, hopefully we embody that and i I just get the feeling that like if it said central avenue meets you'd go there and you, you might wear it um and then it might get old or, or something like that. Whereas this is a, this is a slogan that hopefully people are proud to display. And I think maybe that, that even more from a marketing standpoint, um, you guys would, you know, uh, uh, be able to agree or disagree on this, but I think that it, because it's not just a business name that people are more apt to display it Mm -hmm. more often. And so we actually probably get a lot more recognition that way too. So uh, yeah, like ho- it, ho- it, hopefully that it, it meshes up with our corporate value. Right, so. right. Um, and I kind of, I, I got super excited as soon as you men- mentioned pork and lamb, and I, I kind of interrupted. But as far as, you know, in uh, what, what type of cuts are typically in this display case here, or do you prefer to, to, do you always have something where somebody comes in and asks for a cut, you have something that you can just go cut it right then? Like, how, how does all that work? Do you do grind? Do you, you know, let, let's, go through, let's go through that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, we, so because we bring in the whole carcasses, we're, we're normally able to either by special order or the day of um, get anybody a cut they're looking for via a recipe. So it really does, we, we see certain niche cuts that I believe we're the only place in town that cuts Denver steaks or Delmonico steaks. <laughs> what is that? Um, uh, those are both come out, out of the shoulder. Uh, traditionally, they're part of a bone-in chuck roast, but in bigger cities, uh, they've been kind of sectioned out, and people found that if you cut them a certain way um, against the grain, they become very viable steaks and good budget steaks too. Oh, okay. So, you know, the Denver might be a good alternative to a New York strip and it's cheaper. Mm. And the Delmonico is, is kind of the butcher's ribeye. You know, it's, it's like a ribeye, but it's a little bit cheaper. And so we've been able to kind of have people try things that they haven't tried. Skirt, definitely. A lot Mm -hmm. of people hadn't ever specifically tried that necessarily. Mm. Um, I think one of the, 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 
well, some of the things that I would encourage people to try when they come in are actually some of maybe the more of the proprietary things. So whether we make a, a number of like flavored burgers, mm-hmm. we partner with Smoked. We use their smoked to a brisket rub in a pure brisket grind burger. Oh, um, we make. Uh, I didn't um, know about yeah, that. We make Philly cheesesteak burgers <laughs> yeah. with uh, cheese, peppers, and onions in them. Uh, we Ooh. make uh, what's called a Waddell burger after the, the, the manager, Stanley Waddell, who created it. Um, Anaheim peppers and cheddar cheese. And then we do a number of like uh, house-made chorizo, house-made uh, Italian sausage. Things like that, I think, are um, where we generally try to point people because we think that those are completely individual to anything that they can find anywhere else. Right. And, uh, you know, we, pork sausage-wise, um, the uh, whiskey apple sausage and the peach habanero sausages have both been huge hits. And, th- and those are, once again, I, I don't know that you can find those anywhere else in town. So it's kind of fun to be able to provide those and to have people that kind of come back looking for those because we are the only place that can make those. Mm. And I was going to say, I'm, uh, we'll have to uh, um, give the podcast a, a, uh, a sample here, but I'm on the verge for St. Patty's Day of looking at doing a beef Guinness sausage. Hey. And so an Irish sausage. So we're, we're looking at this recipe and we're going to try it. And then we get to go around the corner and have the guys at uh, N-Bar and the Block test it out for us. And we kind of get some, some focus research. But right. um, another, another one of the things that makes this job more fun is coming up with these new flavors, things like that. So I would point people towards some like, you know, our marinated carne asada, different things like that, in addition to just the fresh options where you take a steak home and cook it. Right. And so you're like marinating right here in the shop. And yeah. when you're talking pork sausage, are those links or is it like, uh, like you bring it home and make patties, like uh, bulk sausage? Um, either or. So oh, a lot of times can, we'll you make can do it. links here. Yep. Yeah. A lot of times we'll, and we do it kind of the traditional way too. Um, we have a, a manual sausage press. So, and it, it happens right out here. Um, oh. Yeah. We just pressing links on the table and making big rolls of sausage and oh, it's, yeah. Linking your own sausage in front of the customers. <laughs> well, and so I've made my own sausage from game meat. And when you're, when you're using the, uh, oh, dang it, I just lost the word, the casing. Yep. So many jokes. So many jokes come out when you're loading the casing on yeah. the tube, mm-hmm. when it starts pushing meat into the casing. You can imagine a phallic-shaped meat thing yep. coming out that you're handling that then you cut into six inch. I mean, it's it's just it, the the jokes are a plenty. It must be like a must be like a yeah like a dirty joke central in here when you're yes. linking sausage. Is that what? How does that work? You know, this is this is probably the the cleanest place I've ever worked. But I will say oh, okay. that this is that okay. this is a I've never been in a butcher's a butcher's shop or a meat department where that subject did not come up. Right, yep, right. Yep. And so there's probably not a joke. <laughs> like, like we could come by and watch you like um, yep. make some sausage. There's probably not one joke Joe and I could, could bring out that you haven't heard. Well, mm. we'll we, we won't know until <laughs> you try. Yeah, we're going to have to try. We're going to have to I try. Can, I could think of something. It would actually be really cool before. <laughs> so this podcast, I can't remember if it's uh, the 17th or 24th that this one's. I think it's the 17th of, of March this one's going to come out. It'd be really cool if before then, we could get a little short video of just making some sausage. Absolutely. And we could then share 
And so the yeah, the next time you're making sausage, I'd like to come in with the camera and get a little yeah, a little section of it, just so when we can put it out the same day the podcast comes out and people can see. And then also Joe could try to break the 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 record and, and get a joke that you haven't heard. I yeah, I can think of something. I, I, I welcome that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it. Uh, the other thing that we're kind of excited about, we haven't been able to to sell it yet, but it is on the horizon is we have experimented with making a South African style beef jerky called biltong that is um, one of the one of the uh, exciting things about that is it's sugar free so you and it really only has four or five ingredients depending on the flavors that you want to make so like Trevor Noah was talking about this he actually said like if you like beef jerky and you try biltong what do you call it yeah biltong you will not like beef jerky anymore that's what he said is, yeah. it, is it whole muscle? Um, it is. Yeah. So we, we, uh, I, I tend to like whole muscle jerky better that's than the, better than the, the, the burger. Best. Yeah. Jerky. It's the best way. Um, mm-hmm. especially like if it's, if it's, if it's whole made, I, I, I kind of like the, uh, uh, the, the texture. More. Yeah. The, the mouth feel. It's yeah. a little, yeah, there we go. Um, and, uh, one of the nice things is that it is, um, just, uh, it's sugar-free. You know, it, it, there, there aren't a bunch hmm. of preservatives. We, we actually, the preservatives in theory are salt and red wine vinegar. Yep. And yep. so you don't have these chemical preservatives or just loaded with sugar. Because I, I know that sometimes I'll, in a pinch, it's probably one of the only meat products I don't, uh, I will buy at a grocery store or something. If I'm in a hurry, I'll pick up a bag of beef jerky because mm-hmm. no one has ever turned beef jerky down. That's <laughs> right. And, mm-hmm. and there's, there are some of those brands where you eat, and you just go crazy on it. You eat a ton of it, but then you don't feel great. Almost similarly to what you described earlier, Joe. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is just a lot of those flavorings, a lot of the sugar, mm. things like that, because you're eating a ton of it. Mm-hmm. And then you just realize what you've consumed. But th- yeah. this stuff is, um, and it's great for the people who want to try that stuff, but can't because of dietary concerns or diabetic concerns, anything like that. So we're hopefully going to be able to make that at some point and at that point that will be the first thing that you could pick up at the shop and walk out eating right in, in right, theory right. i mean we did we did have one customer who um uh i'll, I'll leave his name out we, we love the guy but he uh told us uh, after shopping here three or four months that he was eating everything that he bought from here raw <laughs> he was on a raw diet holy moly. and um he moved away he comes back and sees us sometimes and he did say that he'd even experimented very carefully with trying raw chicken from from uh, somewhere, and that was a bridge too far from us. But right, wow, <laughs> but, man. But yeah, this would be something that we could, uh, you know, uh, sell at street events or mm-hmm. uh, provide to the concert space next door, the Newberry. Right. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's uh, that that's probably the only the biggest thing that's missing that we're really looking forward to doing later is some kind of a jerky. And um, then how, how is that uh, dried? Are you going to smoke it? Are you going to dehydrate? Just dried. Yep. So it's, it, it's, it's dried at room temperature and you, uh, in, in, a, in a special case. Right, right. Um, that, uh, and, that, and that's why we haven't been able to do it yet is because we are working with the local health departments to provide the research. We, we know it's safe. We've been eating it for two years, two and a half years now. Right. And uh, but obviously they have some concerns about something that's not cooked. So right, we're, right. we're going through that, but we have 
the ability to monitor the pH level and the water activity. We have special monitors for that. Cool. And so the research is already in. I mean, they've been making this stuff in South Africa for generations. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's probably the biggest thing. I, I think that in, in theory, that might be what we're known for the most, say, in five years, like that product. Yeah, right. I was going to say, it. The, from what I know about it, like if you were going to offer this and thinking about the quality that you could probably bring to that product, I mean, it's going to be a hit, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, because I mean, this is already beef jerky land. I mean, Lincoln oh, has yeah. a huge manufacturer yeah, high, high of it, country. high country. And I mean, I'm not a huge fan. It seems, to, you know, on their bag, it says never too chewy. I, I disagree. Okay, well, let me just yeah. And so <laughs> there was a, there was a period maybe about 10 years ago. I really liked their jerky and something's changed. Something it's changed. what it's the seasoning I use though. When I'm making jerky at home, yep. I use their seasoning. Hey, high country. Something's changed. Okay. Let, yeah, let, the, let the management I think, know. I think they just got, they just got bigger. Right. And just yeah. like you're saying, like the demand for more product cuts down on aging. It cuts down on yeah. this. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're running into is they've just hitting those margins of, yeah. of how long they want something to sit and rest and they need to back, they need to go back to the old ways. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and they're, and they're probably one of my examples of I'll take a bag of that out camping and I'll mm-hmm. just destroy half a bag in yeah, about 20 yeah. minutes mm-hmm. and then I won't feel super great the, after a while. The, so hun- I, <laughs> the honey kissed. Have you had the honey kissed? I was it's, always the teriyaki. Oh, let's see. I, I, I like all of them, but the honey kissed. Oh my goodness. It's a, it's addictive. Oh, it's addictive. I'll have to bring you some of my jerky. I have some yeah. jerky uh, that I made this year. Um, well, I'll and you've been eating a lot of, I mean, grass finished meat for some time because of all the wild game that you eat. So, so you mentioned the CrossFit community really wanting grass fed beef. Well, I found the CrossFit community because I was like going to this whole like lean meat. Um, I've always kind of, well, not always, I've hunted for a long time, ma- mainly for the, the joy and experience of it. And then now more, it's about bringing like really high quality meat into my home and protein. Like mm-hmm. it's the highest content protein you can get. Um, and it's super lean and it's very healthy. And so, yeah, I've been eating this stuff for a long time. And, and now like, yeah. And so that brought me to the CrossFit community, like just getting more healthy. And so it's funny that I kind of worked in reverse of how you might get some of your customers. But yeah. um, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, if, if I'm going to get beef, which we, we don't do a ton, it's only going to be right here. Um, and and it's, it's, the thing is, is like, I absolutely love, elk is my number one, favorite meat on the planet but it, it's got to be tied with a good beef steak because like it's just a totally different kind of experience and um you can't there's just no fat in elk there just isn't yeah. um and but that fat and and what it does when you're when you're cooking when you do it just right and you get that nice um sear on the outside and oh oh i'm so yeah, and so um, this, and and then I'm also ex- oh, I have so many things. I'm gonna try to like gain this here. Uh, lamb. So yep. you mentioned the the Middle East. When I was over in Iraq the first time, so I don't remember why they chose me, but only four of us from our unit got to go into Baghdad um, for the opening day of um, Baghdad. Had this five star restaurant, and it was reopening after just a few months after we had assaulted into the country and like it's still a combat zone and they're opening up this five-star restaurant it, it's crazy and so we like full they called it full battle rattle all of our gear right and guns next to us and we're sitting at like candle lit nicest restaurant you can be in and i'm looking they don't have a bunch on the menu i can't imagine you know us during covid took a lot to get product here i can't imagine getting lamb to baghdad 
in 2002. Like, I just can't imagine that. Um, and so anyway, there was like three items you could order, and one of them was lamb chops. I still, to this day, have not had lamb chops as good as that moment. But I'm like, oh, this is a challenge now because I want to get some lamb chops from here. I've never cooked them myself. I've always, whenever I go to a nice restaurant now, I try. I'm like, oh, we're doing the lamb chops because I want to see if they're as good as Baghdad. And you can't beat the environment, right? Like, yep. So I don't know if I'm ever going to get there because like, I was in a combat zone eating lamb chops. And it could have probably been the worst beef jerky ever. And I would have thought that it was the most tender, amazing thing. So there's, there's that. And my memory now might not be the same of what it was so many years ago, 20 flipping years ago. But I do want to try, and I do want to cook it myself. And so I'm going to definitely get some lamb chops and, and try, try my, my hand at it here. Um, yeah, that's exciting. And, I, and for some reason, I didn't know you guys... I should have known because I, I'm pretty sure I, I asked about pork fat too when I was in here. And you're like, oh, just not right now. And so I, I didn't know pork was here. And so I'm excited about that too. Um, you can't beat bacon. No, no. And that's, and that's, we, we, uh, you know, down the road too, I think it's one of those things where we want to, to be able to cook, we need to get some ventilation equipment mm -hmm. in. And I was kind of thinking, oh, that might be like 10 or $15,000 down the, down the road. And someone's like, you kidding me? That's like $85,000 or something yeah. like that. So, <laughs> so it might be a little bit farther down the road than we think it, uh, it is, but, uh, you know, we, we actually have a lot of people that haven't been able to find raw pork belly for Korean dishes. And, uh, and so that, mm. and it's actually pretty simple to cure bacon yourself and to make like really good, uh, flavored bacon. Mm -hmm. So you cure it and then you might rub some huckleberry jam on it or something and then bake it. And all of a sudden you've got some huckleberry bacon or some honey bacon or, or maple syrup bacon. So, um, that's a, that's one of the things that going way back when if someone's looking for that stuff what we want to do is we we can sell you the belly but also give you the recipe and talk through how you'd turn that into bacon and it's just fun i mean it's just fun to see what people people come can do with this stuff i mean joe you and your wife came in last weekend mm -hmm. and I had no idea that bond me meat was pre-sliced. Like I learned something that night. That's awesome. And it, it, it's, it's just really neat to see, um, people as involved in, um, just their, not only the nutrition, I mean, that's important too, but the, the cooking process. I mean, I, it's, it's just a lot of fun to see what people are doing with this stuff. Oh yeah, Melanie was having a good time too. You know, she was because uh, you'd never heard of it before, and you were like, "Well, let me show see a picture." And so she got a picture going, and you looked at the phone, and it was like really cool. Like Melanie uh, walked away from that going, "Man, you were right. It was really neat to like have a butcher help us and like actually get to ask questions and not feel like we're wasting someone's time because they're trying to get to the next customer." You know, we were building relationship, and I was like, "Yeah, it was worth coming downtown because she's lived here for most of her life, and she was." part of the contingent that's like yeah i don't want to go downtown there's yeah. it's bad parking not much to do why do it you know just go to the mall and go to the supermarket and get home and avoid people she didn't actually think that but i <laughs> i'm over i'm over generalizing but that was another great thing about the pandemic is that we found out how much we actually need to talk to people 
we, we need that interaction. You know, we can't. I mean, it seems nice if you don't like your job to just sit at home and, and not have to talk to people. Maybe that's okay for a couple of days. But right. then you're like, man, I've, I know that I usually like to keep to myself, but geez, I really need to talk to somebody. Like, how am I going to complain about my neighbor if I don't have anyone to talk to? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And Drew definitely wants to hear about you complaining about your neighbor while you're picking up meat. Well, I, I mean, w- I without just, a doubt, I just leave them notes. That's like, not even a sarcastic thing. <laughs> no, like, like you are an enjoyable person when people walk in. Um, yeah, and, let's and talk. Let's like, talk. You, you, you had mentioned in, in developing your logo that that hopefully it presents some humility, and I think uh, if if you haven't set a, a, a list of values, humility is definitely one of them like in the list of values for this um, organization because it's just amazing how much you care. I've witnessed not just you talking to, to me or Joe, but other customers. I'm like, he just treats everybody the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody the same. And it's just, I care about what's going on. Um, and so if you do, like your butcher can also be a part-time counselor if you come down here. Like a bartender. Like yeah. ther- therapist, bartender. Yes, very, very much so. Yeah, we want to fill in that bartender or the <laughs> meat tender. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, right. it's, it's, I'm just thinking of all the, the conversations I've had over the, the course of, you know, I was talking to about uh, bands with Joe the other day. Mm-hmm. I'd watched some of his Instagram videos and I was, we, we have some, some similar music interests and we, we, play some stupid games in here where we listen to music all day. And there's just all sorts of conversations that um, on one hand don't mean anything. And on the other hand, mean everything in the sense we're just building that friendship with people. And as I look back over like almost two years now, uh, we're going to be two years uh, old in uh, May 2022. um, I think about the people that I would have walked past you know, at the supermarket or at a basketball game or, or wherever in the community. And now I literally, it's a lot of downtown people for sure. But when I, we walk past people, we have people that like give us their orders, <laughs> you know, when we walk past them <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of, Hey, how's, how's the family doing? If, if somebody, there, there's just been an opportunity to get to know people and, you know, once again, that's the stuff that kind of outlasts whatever this business is, mm-hmm. um, because there's certainly a lot of value in, I, I believe, in what we're, we're doing, the relationships that we have, the, uh, the, the way that we're uh, hopefully supporting a ranching family. Um, but the, the idea that a, a lot of, I'm sure my wife just rolls her eyes at it, but we'll be at the mall or at the barbershop or something, and someone will, I'll see somebody that has been in here and like some, it is really sometimes they'll give me their next order or be like, Hey, can you call me when you have pork in or <laughs> right. And it just, it really does make the community feel smaller and safer. Mm. Uh, I was, I was thinking about the other day, you know, uh, um, I know Joe, you grew up in Sims, mm-hmm. probably knew most of the people in that community. A lot of the people anyway, mm-hmm. uh, in Geraldine, there's probably m- almost any house in that town I could have gone in as a high schooler and they would have known me, my parents. And there was just something really nice about that. And then Great Falls has always been the big city to me. And so I don't know as many of my neighbors as I think I should, you know, on my street, Uh, people are kind of in and out. Um, And this makes it feel a little bit more like that small town community, that, that safety of, Hey, I, I know that guy and I, I'm, I can trust him to, to a certain degree, you know, and it, it, it just makes it a friendlier place. Mm. 
And when I think about some of the bigger cities I've lived in, and especially in this last couple of years, the the way that I think people have been kind of suspicious of each other. You know, everybody's got masks on. You're mm-hmm. trying not to hang out with people too long. You don't know what they've got, <laughs> what they might give to you. Um, this is this Great Falls. There's been a lot of elements, new restaurants. We're certainly not the only one. New gyms, mm-hmm. different things like that, that have actually, I think, shrunk the community. Right, right. And I think that's why people come here and like it. And we hear that from a lot of people. So one of the things that we have is we have a lot of people from like out of state that are moving here and they notice something different about the community. And it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's just fun to, to then get to know them. And then they've almost, you know, there's been times that we'll introduce them to somebody else or something. And I think, I just think that this is how it's civilization is supposed to work. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we've actually brought it up a few times in the podcast and what really separates Great Falls. I mean, you can find butchers in other towns, you can find bars, you can find uh, burger places. Um, the difference in Great Falls is the people. I mean, it's, it's the relationships. And, and we've noticed a lot now with us doing this, uh, this trivia night downtown and, and asking local businesses if they want to participate and help, um, how interconnected everybody is. And the more we get to know people, the more we realize there's these small connections. And, and Jason over at Roadhouse knows this owner over here, or this guy that used to play this type of music. And then Drew knows this guy who knows this guy. Um, Geraldine, I've hunted out in that area you know, quite a, quite a bit. There's great antelope, um, actually close to there. You can, um, even find elk if you can get access to land and, um, mountain goat over near Geraldine, actually. Yeah. So square butte, um, has mountain goat on it, you know? And so there's just, there's cool, but that, that small little connection. And then even, even connecting to the smaller Sims Mm -hmm. Fort Benton belt where this, this beef comes from, Mm -hmm. like there's, there's just, yeah. Great Falls is the quote unquote big city for Montana. It is, but for any other place, it's not. Right. And, and, and the community makes it feel smaller. You know, Melanie has a funny story about Geraldine. She was going to college with someone and they just, he, he said, Hey, I'll give you a ride back, you know, from college, you know, back to Great Falls. And they were going through Geraldine first to like maybe visit some parents or something like that. And they just stopped at the gas station. And by the time he got home, he already had a text message that said, Hey, is that your new girlfriend? <laughs> like, like he's, they didn't talk to anybody. He just, he just got some gas, didn't talk to anybody and then drove and he already had a text message because someone maybe at the gas station or someone looking out the window at him was like, who's that blonde girl in your car? <laughs> the, the, uh, the small community encapsulated for good or for bad, right? For good <laughs> or for right. bad. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that is the bonus of Great Falls. Sometimes it's both. just big enough that you, uh, I used to make a little joke that when I lived up in Glasgow, Montana, very similar to Sims, Geraldine. Um, not only did someone know when you farted, they knew what you ate yep. that made that fart, right? And so Great Falls, at least, like you can have a little bit of privacy and a not everybody bit. knows everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just enough to make it just feel like, just like you said, just like a big, a big neighborhood mm-hmm. and uh, where people care for each other. Yeah, it's a, a lot of people from these tiny towns coming together to make a slightly larger townish city. Yep, basically. Yep, yeah. and that that is kind of the Great Falls vibe, right? Is it's such a surrounding agricultural communities. Mm-hmm. People are just coming here. It's kind of the the stop and then back out home for for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, it's it's been interesting moving back. I mean, I'm all all three of us, I guess, have have kind of gone and have come and gone. Yeah, we've got that and, in common. And yeah. uh, you know, I didn't really realize it growing up. I don't know if it was as strong, but when I came back, or maybe when I was in college, and I started to meet more people that were from Great Falls, you could see that there was kind of a low self-esteem. The oh, Great yeah. Falls had kind of this oh, low yeah. self-esteem oh, about yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. And you guys have probably talked to other people on the podcast that have, <laughs> have brought this up. But, oh, yeah. you know, this was my, this was the big city when I was growing up. Like, it felt like, oh, you come to Great Falls, you can go to, you can go to the Fun Factory. You can go <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> Circus Time Pizza. You know, you can go to the mall. And, mm-hmm. and it, I think that that mentality kind of in a big way now is really being challenged because you, you've seen a lot of people who were just didn't think that there was anything here. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't anything to do. There wasn't anything, you know, uh, Missoula and Bozeman and Billings are always kind of held out as the examples of this is the big, this is where, you know, we can go, go do activities. And, and certainly there's some stuff there that we don't have yet, mm-hmm. but I just feel like Great Falls has been, has been slept on as yep. far as the way that the the streets are set up, I think is pretty convenient, especially this downtown area. Mm-hmm. It, it leads to a lot of events downtown that don't clog the town up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I see a, a, a lot of potential for this area. I think it's already meeting the potential, but it, it has been funny, especially like getting out, like, you know, going to a place like Denver or even Missoula or a place like Denver and then coming back. I, I think there's a real appreciation for what we have here. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, even when I was growing up, people were just living and dying by, hey, we, we need an olive garden or yeah. a red lobster. Uh-huh. Th- that, that was always the, the white whale, so to speak. Yep, and you just have that. Uh. You know, what's, what's odd is when you go to bigger cities, those places are not important. Nobody the, and, the, you know, they are. They they, are. I, I feel we had this exact conversation a few podcasts ago because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, we can totally get a red lobster or an olive garden because that'll free up my restaurants a little bit more than I yeah. actually want to eat at. Yeah. But yeah, when you go to those bigger places, it's like, meh. And I, and I remember you try to find the niches, the, yeah. the little niche areas. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. I remember when I came back from college one time. I don't know if either of you guys were, were in town, but it was when Sonic opened on 10th. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. And we'd been getting those Sonic commercials for years growing up. I mean, the, the advertisements were here, but we didn't have a Sonic. Right. Yeah. And I remember parking. You had to park in a parking lot down 10th. Yep. Yep. And Albertsons. wait till somebody radioed you <laughs> yep. to, to pull into Sonic. Yep. And it was fun. And I mean, I'm not knocking Sonic. They, they, have a, they certainly have a place. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the slushies are, are quite nice. But, yep. but it was one of those things where you've been just anticipating this thing. And you, and you pull in, you're like, okay, it's, 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 it's like, a burger. It's like a hot dog <laughs> <laughs> with chili on it. Yeah. Whoa. And, yeah. and, and meanwhile, we have places like Roadhouse. We have places like... Yeah. Uh, Harvest Craft. We have places like Mighty Mo. I mean, Fifth and Wine. All these places that I think would, um, even Electric City Coffee, which I could see that in downtown Denver. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, right. it's not only yep. here because it's Great Falls and there's vacancy. It's here. Be, it, it is a quality business. And I think, I don't know, I, I think people are being challenged to that and waking up to that uh, on a higher level. I guess I just thought of this example. I think Smoked is as good as any barbecue I ran into in Denver. I mean, honestly, if not better, it's 
there's there's certain places here in Great Falls, and you've actually named a lot of them: Double Barrel, Roadhouse, Smoked, Harvest Craft Kitchen. Like, I, and I hate naming off places like that because you always miss some yep. that, that you're forgetting. Yep. And so I apologize to those that we're forgetting. Almost feel undeserving because of that old attitude of Great Falls. Sure, right where, where there's nothing to do, and then you go and have a, a smoked. Um, I, I call it meat candy. Their um, yeah. pork belly. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, and, and you're just like we just we, you almost feel undeserving yeah. because it's it's and I've lived down south. I've eaten I've eaten smoked and barbecue mm-hmm. from many different places. It's equal or above ninety nine percent of them. Like yeah. I can't even name a place right now that I can say yeah that's better than smoked. I can't. And I've eaten at a lot of them. Well, and I, and I don't know if you guys brought it up with Jason. I, I might be misquoting this, but I'm pretty sure that Jason at Roadhouse said that they had somebody drive from Georgia just to eat at Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. We, we got into it a little bit. The, um, it's a podcast that was actually a bonus episode. came out a couple Tuesdays ago. And uh, he talked about that they, they mail out deconstructed hamburgers they have people that like order them separate so they don't get soggy and then like Mm -hmm. literally right there they have a styrofoam package that people are loading it into to mail out burgers to all separated so it doesn't get soggy yeah yeah and so he he, he's yeah so they i i can say without like confirming with him that yeah somebody's you know come from that far to come have roadhouse and that's his plan he Mm -hmm. he loves great falls so much that he wants you know like you get people that that come to montana and they do go to those cities that you're talking about billings bozeman missoula but they plan on visiting other areas in montana he's like roadhouse is going to make people change their route yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to make people change where they want to stay, and and we've we had this idea, didn't realize it was already a previous idea of base camp Great Falls, right? Sure. That mm-hmm. like, um, we don't have the the Big Sky forty five minutes away, but we have Showdown, we have Four Ribbon or um, Blue Ribbon uh, trout fishing within thirty five minutes. We have hiking. We have you know we have everything Montana can offer actually better than most of those places centrally located, and so he's he's part of that like. We want, it, we want people to come to Great Falls because Roadhouse is so known and it's a nationally known burger joint, you know. Mm-hmm. They almost had Trump there when Trump visited. Um, there was a whole big ordeal about it and it ended up, I think, just being security reasons that, that he didn't go. Couldn't do the logistics. Of yeah, the like logistics that. of it. But they said that whole week they had Secret Service that was in there eating oh, um, cool. at, at Roadhouse. And so that's, um, yeah, it, and it's just places like those that are that are helping change the personality of great falls and uh, the self-worth yeah if, if, if personality w- or if great falls was a person you know to be personified mm-hmm. um the personality of it's changing and the self-worth is growing and it's and it's uh you know i've been doing foster care for six years now and and that's the biggest thing we work on with with foster children is like their self-worth mm-hmm. they're, they're grown up without um feeling that they have much value and uh, you can almost see Great Falls taking that same thing of like, you can really see a change in, in one of my daughters when they realize that their life has value 
and and it's the same thing with Great Falls. You can see that like it's starting to realize it has value, and it's yeah. pretty cool. It's like with your kids, you know, you know that they have a pretty easy life, and you're trying to describe that to them. You know, you're like, your <laughs> life is so good. Like I'm giving you all these things that most kids don't get, and they're like, whatever. You're kind of slacking. I, I still have a curfew, and and maybe and that was me. You know, growing up as a kid yep. in Great Falls, I'm like, whatever with this city. It's okay, but it's no Missoula or Bozeman. <laughs> Not by right. a long shot. Can't wait to go visit Spokane can in seattle let's get out of here and then you go live in those other cities and you're like okay well it's kind of crowded and um it's not all that good and it's actually way expensive and the people are kind of mean not everywhere and then you just start to remember oh i guess great falls wasn't so bad you know (laughs) you know you could drive downtown and find a parking spot and they're pretty nice people that would remember your face because there's not that many people in town and you start remembering all these things and i just think that there's maybe we're part of a bigger wave of people about our age in our early 40s late 30s that have gone away and remembered how good they had it trying to trying to go to these other cool cities like i I know lots of people that tried to go to portland because portland is man they must have the best marketing in the world everyone wants to go to Portland and start a donut shop or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, a donut shop that has bacon on the donuts. Right. And and call it something cool and get a bunch of tattoos or whatever. You know, the thing is in in Portland and open up a you know a medical marijuana shop in the in the second (laughs) floor of your donut thing where everyone's making cupcakes or whatever. But then yeah, then everyone did that and you got there and you're like, oh, there's already like a hundred cupcake stores and (laughs) they already have all the cool names. And you're just like, well, where's my spot? Where should I be? And it's like, you start thinking, well, where am I from? Yep. You know, what what helped make me? And then maybe where could I give back to if I got to a place of I have more than I need and I could give back to a place? Where would I want to give back to? Yeah. Hmm, now your hometown's starting to make a little more sense. Or right. the place that's really close to your hometown that's kind of like, you know, the, the, catch, the catch-all for all the little cities that we're from. You know, the Belgrades, the Geraldines, the, the Simses, you know. We, we find this city that's like not already completely gentrified. You yeah. know, like I would fi- I find Bozeman a little too gentrified, okay? A little I don't even know if much I call it gentrified. It's like... Like you could take Bozeman, Westified. You could take you could take Bozeman and just put it in the Wild West part of Disneyland. Yep. And <laughs> yes, yes, and, and no one would notice. That was the perfect explanation. Thank you. If you go to Epcot, where you you go around to the different places, yep. Bozeman would be the Wild West, and yep. you you'd have no difference between because it looks like a prop. It and looks pe- like a movie set. It looks like yeah. And, and I, I thought about, um, I'm not going to pick on any of my relatives, but I know that there's a certain amount of them that I look forward to visiting, but I know it's a day or two. By day three, I got to get back home, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I love them to death, mm-hmm. but that's how long you get. And it's kind of like that with Bozeman. Like, it's a great experience for a couple of days, but sure. Great Falls is where you yeah. want to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Great Falls is where you want to, what you want to wake up to every morning. Yeah, I'm thinking about going out of my way just to visit these other cities again, just because I remember I visited them a couple times a year. I mean, well, maybe even a couple times every three or four months doing shows around the state. And now I'm like, mm, I don't really want to. I, <laughs> I don't really have the need to. I... I've been to those cities. I know what it's like to, to experience them, and I prefer it here. And yep. I'm like, Ugh, okay, well, now i got to force myself. To, and thinking, yeah, now that's the right... Like, I'm not thinking of Great Falls as this, the G-funk, where nobody likes it here, and we're, we're, we're thinking badly about ourselves. And Nope, 
I'm, I'm actually, I prefer it here and yep. I'm, and I'm trying to be nice and to I'm, the other cities and give them a little bit of love because yeah. you know, they're okay. But I'm, but yeah, totally proud of it. And I want to, I want to go back, um, as we get ready to kind of close out here is I want to go back and, and just say, um, you know, first of all, I really appreciate uh, your time today. This is a, this is a day that you'd normally be closed. And when I walked by the the front windows, which we didn't even talk about what this place looks like. Yeah, we're gonna have to get into the building I, again. Yeah, time. we might have to do a second podcast because I know that this like you had to redo the facade and like the exposed brick in here, the super tall ceilings. How far is it to the sub ceiling there? Um, I think it's 17 feet. And then uh, another... I think it's 20... Well, yeah, this is why I'm not a math guy. I think it's 22 foot to the highest part of the ceiling. So maybe like 15 Yeah, feet? 15, mm-hmm. 16 to the sub ceiling. And then you've got, yeah, 24. Oh my goodness. It's just... It's so clean in here. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. And uh, when, when I walked by the beautiful windows you have up front, you were in here sweeping, you know, getting things cleaned up. And, and um, I appreciate, like, um, you, there's many thing, other things you could have been doing today, and, and you took the time to come on here. And we did get a little side tangent, but you could really hear all of our passion for this town yeah. mm-hmm. and our love for it. And so I'm glad we took the time to, to drive down that road together and given us some of your history. I, I hope that uh, those of you listening today um, take a little adventure you know like uh, if you're used to buying the the cellophane wrapped grayish steaks yeah give one try to one of these steaks or as he said if you're not ready to venture that far get one of the specialty blended um, ground meats the the Philly cheese steak the um, oh there was one uh, with the um, habanero peach sausage you know the the waddell burger with the, the ancho with the, the anaheim yeah, anaheim anaheim that's what i couldn't think of anaheim is one of my favorite peppers mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite peppers so that's probably the first on my list is the one with the anaheims in it um treat and, yourself just treat yeah. yourself one time and just see if you regret it i just guarantee you won't you won't basically. you won't regret it yep come on down here get your own personal meat tender and uh, and put yeah. it on your business card he's right down the street from Mighty Mo and the Mo Tenders, where we do trivia on Tuesday nights for the next four weeks. Uh, by the time this comes out, we only have a couple more weeks, about two more weeks. You, you might already have missed it, so check us out for those two weeks. We may never, ever do it again, because it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Tons of work. It's six o'clock Tuesdays for a couple more weeks. Um, thanks, Drew. We really did appreciate it. It's really cool to like be sitting downtown, looking out the window, having people look at us. People so walking we feel by, We're like on by. display here, doing the cool... Um, the hipster style podcasting thing that all the cool guys are doing these days. And if you're wondering, the book um, about how to cook and eat babies um, <laughs> is called A Modest Proposal. And it was written by Jonathan Swift back in 1729. You were right. It was Swift. It was Swift. Just yeah. not Taylor. And it was said. basically, he was making a satirical um, observation and he was uh, saying that the, the poor people were, um, you know, they weren't be treating, they weren't being treated very well so he thought wouldn't it be funny if i said uh, he wrote a book on on um how to turn the poor population into a benefit to um the state by just cooking and eating the children so they wouldn't become wards of the state they would just fill your bellies so if you're wondering and wanted to read oh. a, a super interesting book 
full of satire. Um, a modest proposal by Jonathan Swift. Um, the link, the if, wherever I can find that on Amazon <laughs> or whatever, the link for that will be to, will be down below. Along with that, you can uh, find Joe and I's email address if you'd like to advertise on the podcast. We'll be starting that in April. And for those of you that are listeners, you're like, oh, great, they're going to start advertising. Our advertising is going to be different than anybody else's. Oh, it's, it's going to be part of the show. It's going to be a part that you're going to actually want to listen to. We're going to actually um, engage with the advertising. It's not going to be this whole... You'll like the advertising thing. more than the show, basically. <laughs> yeah. You're going to like change your mind on this. Yep. Um, <laughs> there'll be links for McCafferty Beef. There'll be links for Central Avenue Meats, their social media websites for, for those things. Um, check both of those out. Give them a like. Give them a follow. Uh, check out their websites, uh, do all of that stuff. Anything else that we need to put down in the show notes for them, Drew? I don't think so. I think the the best place to start is probably uh, either their website or their Instagram feed. Mm -hmm. And just immerse yourself in, in what they're doing. You can see how authentic they are and just know that they have that passion um, to be on social media and, and see how their steaks are being cooked. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Well, and, and so for you personally, where would you like people to go the most? Besides walking in your door and ordering uh, some meat from you, you want to send them to Facebook, Instagram, yeah, just, your website? Where uh, Facebook or Instagram, we're going to have a website going live probably in the next couple months. Okay. Um, it's already built. We're just kind of tweaking it a little bit mm -hmm. um, as we get time. Uh, yeah, just, but yeah, come see us in person. Um, That's going to be come, your best experience is in person. Come, come complain about your neighbor. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, just thank you guys for the time today. And uh, more than anything, I think just support your local rancher. Support your local rancher. Here, here. That's a great way to sign off. When we sign off, I, I start and I say, I've been Brian. Then you're going to say, I've been Drew. And then you're going to say, I've been Joe. And then all together, we're going to say, See you next show. Mm -hmm. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Give us a like. The best thing you can do to show support for the show is share this with uh, a close friend of yours. Whoever needs a butcher, share it to them. Whoever loves Great Falls, share it with them. I've been Brian. I've been Drew. I've been Joe. We'll, we'll see, see you next show. show.